And so I started to look at all these pieces and customer journey and every, and one day someone's like, I have a marketing problem. Like nobody has a marketing problem. You have a relationship problem. And they're like, oh yeah. And I was like, yeah, with yourself, your team and your customers informed in that order. Welcome to Pencil Leadership. I'm Chris Anderson, success and lifestyle entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help you realize your full potential so you can leave a positive mark on the world. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. Ben Stein said, personal relationships are the fertile soil from which all advancement, all success, all achievement in real life grows. And Zig Ziglar said, I believe that you can get everything in life you want if you will just help enough other people get what they want. This is episode 122 with digital marketing expert George Bryant. And today, George is going to be discussing about how relationships beat algorithms and how we need to improve our relationships with ourselves, with our teams, and with our customers. So if you're having some struggles in business, maybe not understanding how to get over some personal traumas or how to grow your team in business, this episode is for you. And if you liked anything you heard, make sure you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. I was doing all of this stuff and all I was applying were the principles of my own healing. I was applying empathy and compassion and communication and I don't know, being a human being. And it's like, I went back into the twenties and I was like, what was marketing like back then? And I eliminated the internet and I eliminated all of it. And I went back to human to human. And every time I did that, you can scale that because it is one-to-one and one-to-many, but deep relationships carry a lot more weight. And everything was like rocket fuel. It was like the Midas touch. And then I started to realize that anybody could do this except you had to be a certain type of person to be able to execute this, right? Like you can't get in a go-kart and go win NASCAR. And so there was a level of self-acceptance and self-worth and self-growth and self-awareness of like, wow, I've been transacting with people. Wow, that's not what I want. If my mother was on the other side of that or my children, like I wouldn't be happy if they bought that. And if anyone hasn't figured this out yet, entrepreneurship is the fastest unwanted therapy that you will ever have in your life, right? It is like, it can be 20 years of talk therapy in 10 minutes, right? Like it will expose every ounce of our past and our trauma and all of it. And so I started to look at all these pieces and customer journey and every, and one day someone's like, I have a marketing problem. Like nobody has a marketing problem. You have a relationship problem. And they're like, oh yeah. And I was like, yeah, with yourself, your team and your customers informed in that order. And that kind of became what I started to say because you know, you have this mirroring effect where when we're writing copy, when we're leading a team, when we're coming up with ideas, if those ideas, if that marketing, if that copy, if that energy on this podcast and on those videos is coming from a place of scarcity, I'm not good enough. I don't care about these people. That transmutes. That transmutes. And I don't think most people, and I'd say 99% of entrepreneurs don't start their job because they're like, oh, I want to get rich. Because let me tell you right now, there's a thousand easier ways to get rich. I don't care how big you make it, but entrepreneurship is not an easy quote unquote game, but it's very rewarding. And it's an edge that we talk about sharpening all the time. And so I'm like, I feel like everybody has the best intent, but along the process, it gets lonely and you lose your edge and it gets hard. And we live in a society that rewards transactions sometimes, but they do it at the cost of long-term results, right? Because we take short actions and we miss the long results. And so I started to look at this and apply this and all of it. And I realized that marketing and business was the easiest Trojan horse for me. And it was also the best place to practice. Because if I could help you write better emails that communicated with your customers, it required tactical empathy from you. It required compassion from you. And then you'd get a response and then it would work. And they're like, oh, I'm going to do more of this. And so we started using results to reward people. And then they made millions and had an impact. And so I looked at all of this and it was like three years ago, I looked down and I opened that notebook and I was like, holy moly. And I was like redoing my brand and all of it. And I was like, that's the definition of a lighthouse to basically build myself, to shine my light, regardless of the storms, guiding people home, regardless of if they choose to come home. And I was like, that's what business and marketing is. We will never know the distance that our light goes out or the effect of our ripple. We think we do but we have no clue, but we also can't be attached to who gets it and who doesn't get it. Because if we are, we turn the light off and everybody else dies. And I tell people, I'm like, you might have a boat a mile away that's sinking, but if you turn off the light and jump in the water, every other boat dies. 
our job is to remain constant and consistent with light. And so that kind of became my mission statement and lighthouses kind of became the all encompassing. Our job as a business, as a corporation, as an entrepreneur, as a service provider, as physical products is to create products and services, information and coaching that basically guides people to their home. And our lighthouses happen to be somebody's afterstate. Could be health, could be wellness, could be weight loss, could be tax thing, anything. You're guiding people from where they are to where they want to be as the person leading them and in turn teaching them how to fish. And that's our job. And so then when you start thinking about it, you're like, oh, that makes sense. And then when you start applying it to marketing and business and all these companies, you're like, oh, boom. And so that's kind of where it came from. And, and here's the truth. The reason I love this now and I do this now and I preach relationships and connection and empathy and caring is because I haven't always been heart-centered. I was the a-hole on the other side. I was the guy who went from childhood trauma, drug abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, forged my parents' signature to join the Marine Corps. Then I got rewarded for being broken because they're like, hey, use that energy. Kill people. Shoot stuff. Like, go more, more, more. Don't feel. Those aren't allowed here, right? Just go, 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 go. And then I spent 12 years of my life on active duty three combat deployments. And I witnessed, you know, death, destruction, lost Marines, attempted suicide, became an addict, opiates, was in a wheelchair, seven concussions, like boom, 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 boom. And so when I got out of the military to become an entrepreneur, I took that same traumatic injury and everything. And my new drug became, let me hustle 20 hours a day. And then I started getting rewarded. I started making money. I started getting cloud. I started getting followers. And it wasn't until my wife was eight months pregnant and I quote unquote had everything that I thought I wanted and everybody said I needed. And I was more miserable than when I was broke and eating ramen. And I was like, I'm about to bring a child into this world. And am I the example that I want him to be? And that's when it all started to shift. And so I tell people like, I'm not over here on my soapbox. Like I haven't done it. Like you said this before the show, there's some things that I can't go back and erase, but I can rewrite a different future for. And one of them was how I did business and how I did marketing. And at the end of the day, none of us are going to have our headstones, have our bank account, how many stocks we had, how many customers we had. We're going to have words about the impact that we had and the legacy that we left. And I think at the end of the day, if we can all remember that we're human beings on the other side of our marketing and our business and our funnels and our emails and our copy, your job might come from, oh, I need to make money. How can I convince them? But then on the inverse is that's your husband, that's your wife, that's your children, and those are your friends getting convinced. How would you feel if that happened to them? And that's kind of the lens that I took. And so now I apply all the modalities in my life, like from my plant medicine to stillness to meditation to EMDR, and I take psychology of marketing, which I'm obsessed with, I instill it into customer journeys and then I help companies and entrepreneurs do that same thing to raise their consciousness and awareness while they're customers. And it just so happens that every single time, millions of dollars follow. So that's basically how I got here. That is the that, shortest version I can give you. No, so much impact right there. And that's not even going into the depths of your story. Like I said, no. I, I read out. So guys, check out mindofgeorge.com. Uh, yeah. backslash about and you can see even more about um, what George has been through but I love that I love that analogy that kind of vi or visual of this lighthouse like in the dark in the storms and what you said there don't be attached to who follows what you're putting out there that light yeah. um, who who actually accepts it or who doesn't don't attach it because if you turn off that light you're, you're not gonna be able to reach those one those people who do need it um, yeah. and they'll be lost. And that's, that's that. one of the, one. there's a big thread there. And I can summarize that thread really quick. And I don't care where you are in your entrepreneurial journey or even on your human journey. Really what it is, is most businesses and most mistakes I see entrepreneurs make is they have codependent tendencies with their business. They become attached to a result, right? And if the result doesn't work, they take it as evidence that they have to do it differently in the future. And if it does work, they take it as evidence that what they're doing is working. But really, all that does is create stagnation because you're only as good as at your last at bat. And literally, the secret to success is consistent, congruent actions over a long, sustained period of time with micro adjustments until it works. That's really what the game is, right? 
And so one of the things that I tell people, like when you think about being a lighthouse, like I say this, I'm like, you can't care who gets your light. Your job is to shine light regardless who gets it. And here's what's funny. You're watching me, right? But like I give a plaque out to my mastermind members and the quote that I wrote on this plaque says, a lighthouse is not interested in who gets its light. It just gives it without thinking because giving light is its nature. Yeah. And it's the, it's the moment it's the moment in marketing that you're like, okay, they got it. They didn't got it. And you hyper-focus on that one person that you lose the ability to get everybody else. Cause like they got it, move on, move on, move on. Like the half-life of marketing is like one minute. I don't even care. Like your billboard only works the first time they see it. The ad only works the first time they click on it, right? Like they're not doing the same thing over and over. And so one of the things that you have to remember is that at the end of the day, as an entrepreneur, you're the secret weapon. Like, here's what everybody forgets. The entrepreneur themselves is the unfair advantage because we all have the same tools. All of us. All of us. And what I'm saying is all of us are gold medal athletes the moment we choose to be. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what shoes we're wearing or what our outfit is. That doesn't determine who wins the race. It's the ones that accept that that's that's who they are and that's their unfair advantage. And they train and play in a manner that they're competing against themselves and their own race not against everybody else. And, and one of my teachers, uh, Dr. Jeff Spencer, an amazing human being, is like my dad. Uh, he's an Olympian. He's also responsible for 70 gold medals. He's Lance Armstrong and Tiger Woods coach. Oh, wow. He's their mindset, performance, and chiropractor. Uh, and obviously not anymore. Neither of them are competing, but that's his, like Fortune 50 CEOs. He's one of my teachers, one of my best friends. And he looks at me every single time I get off the rails and he has to, he reminds me every single time. He's like, this is what you have to remember about champions. Champions only win because they're only looking at their own race. He's like, the moment you look at your competitor, the moment you look at a result, the moment you look at a result of the input, you lose because you stop giving the input that will make it work. And he's like, pick an example. When Phelps won and he shouldn't have won, it's because at the last millisecond, the guy who was going to win looked at him and his hand got in like a hundredth of a second first because he looked. If he never looked at Phelps, Phelps would have never won that gold medal. And I think as entrepreneurs, that's something we have to remember. Like your, your parable of a pencil is amazing, but a pencil doesn't work with other pencils. A pencil is an independent creature on its own. It's an independent device as an object. And when I say leadership is lonely, it's not because you're not going to have friends. It's lonely because that's the path to growth. That's the path to self-actualization is this deep relationship with yourself, unattached to the outcome, unattached to the feedback, willing to stand and sharpen your pencil, even if people like, oh, it hurts a little bit, but it's your pencil. And you're the one using it. And so you have to use it to its potential and understand that there will always be consequences and responses and rewards, but you can't change how you write with your pencil. Mm. That's so good. So true too. Cause it's almost like you hear like uh, uh, comparisons, the thief of joy type yeah. thing when you're, when you're focusing on other people, it can like tear you down. Um, so with that, I mean, it's, you say it's, it's about relationships over algorithms. Yep. And, uh, I thought it was it, what you said of, if your mom was on the other side, mm-hmm. you know, would, would you like that? Would you like her to buy that or purchase that or that to happen to her? It's like, wow, you know, it's right. So how do yeah, we go about that? How do we Dude, totally, here's what's funny is like, when I say this to people and you have the same response I get from everybody, you're like, oh, it's so esoteric, right? It's like, how do we do it? I'm like, well, let me, let me change it a little bit. Right. So like, Let's think about uh, some physical products, products, right? You go buy one and then you get an upsell that says, hey, I know you bought one. Do you want six more, right? And then you're like, no. And they're like, what about three more, right? Then you end up with four that you can't use. Now, this is always my first example. Can you imagine if you walked into a grocery store and you bought a dozen eggs, you check out, you take 10 steps and they stop you at the door and they're like, Chris, wait, we'll give you three dozen more for $2. You'd be like, no, I bought a dozen because I need a dozen. And uh, please get out of my way. I'm already done. And they're like, okay. And then you leave. And then you get to your car in the parking lot. And like, wait, Chris, how about four dozen for a dollar? And at this point, you get arrested for assault. Right? And all of a sudden, you're like, God, that makes no sense. And I'm like, why do we do it on the internet? Mm. Right? Because what we lose is that connection to the human. But we don't realize that that short-term realized gain 
has unrealized long-term effects that will never get back. So when you think about like that, if can you imagine walking around the grocery store, looking at an item and window shopping, like use Apple as an example. Let's say you go into Apple and you pick up an Apple watch and you look at it, you try it on, you put it back. How would you feel if an employee picked that watch up and every minute said, hey, Chris, you forgot something. Hey, Chris, you forgot something. Hey, Chris, you must have forgot to buy my watch. Here's 20% off so I can convince you because you forgot. No, right? never. Can you imagine if Apple only let you in their store if it was purchased on condition? So you can only come in the store if you agreed to purchase something. Less than 9% of people that go in an Apple store every day buy anything. The rest of them are collecting touch points to inform a future decision. And that touch point being positive or negative is predicated on how that experience went. I don't think you'd ever go back if I followed you around. Hey, do you want to buy now? Do you want to buy now? You'd never come back. Right, exactly. Right? So how do we build those touch points? How do we build those? I got you. I'm doing, but when you think about that now, think about digital marketing. And you're like, oh, I've done that. Oh, we do that. Of course that wouldn't work. And then if you even look at you, most people that add things to their cart and leave are waiting for a discount now because it's conditioned behavior. But then why sell it at the price when you're going to discount it anyways? Either way, you lose. So what we have to remember is that our job as entrepreneurs, whether you're selling a physical product or a digital product, isn't to sell the product. It's to get them to the solution. If I sell you this water bottle that says, hey, it'll help you drink 16 ounces of water a day, and I ship you the bottle, and you don't drink the water, I didn't succeed in my promise. And it's going to turn you into an anti-marketing machine because you're going to be like, hey, did you see that Captain America water bottle? You're like, yeah, it doesn't work. I don't have more energy, but you never drank the water. But why didn't you drink the water? Is it because you didn't pick it up or is it because I didn't actually lead you to where I would promise to take you? I didn't promise to sell you a Captain America water bottle. We wouldn't buy it. I promise you to help you hydrate every day to probably lose weight, have more energy and sleep right. better. Mm-hmm. That's what I bought on. And I'm like, cool, what customer journey did you design to help me have those things? Or did you just think if I bought it, it was going to handle itself? No, you have to lead people. So when you think about marketing, I'll use a lead magnet, for example. Hey, here's my seven-day guide to sleep better. Cool. Tell me why after day one, I get a sales pitch on day two. You said I wouldn't sleep better for seven days. How are you going to help me sleep better in seven days when you're selling me something on day two? Human beings can't buy in an incomplete experience. It's the Zygarnik effect. When we have open loops, it prevents us from making decisions until they're resolved in our brain. But if you ask yourself, hey, who's more likely to buy? Somebody like, hey, Chris, I'm going to help you sleep better in seven days. And I give you a PDF and videos. And after seven days, you're sleeping better. I'm like, hey, now buy my program. Or, hey, Chris, I'm going to help you sleep better in seven days. Here's the PDF you're not going to open. I'm going to email you tomorrow. Hey, I know you're not sleeping better yet, but buy my program now. One works on agitation and scarcity, which creates more of it. And one works on actually achieving the results. And when you look at the most successful companies in the world, Apple doesn't have a loyal fan base because our phones are broken. It's because they work. Apple doesn't have 99% of the market share with only 2% of the market because the cameras look like poop and we don't know how to use them. It's because they help us achieve the afterstate. And then we even laugh about, oh, they're throttling my battery. They want me to buy a new one. And we still go spend $1,500 because they've helped us achieve the promised afterstate, which was simplicity, the ability to be a photographer and a videographer and have apps in our fingertips and really speed up life. That's what they're doing. And so when you think about your marketing, it's like, oh, I sell you this coffee. Hey, Chris, if you drink this coffee every day for 14 days, it's going to help you feel better. I should probably design a journey to help you each step of the way for 14 days so you achieve the result. Since 86% of marketing is word of mouth and the average consumer gives eight to 10 brand recommendations or non-recommendations in a 60-second conversation. And if you don't give them ammunition to say, then they choose negative ammunition you don't want them to say. Because they're going to come up and be like, hey, hey, Chris, I'm about to buy this coffee. What do you think? And you're like, oh, it didn't work. But the truth is you never drank it because I didn't create a customer journey or an experience that allowed you to drink it. And so you think about like emails, social media, like unboxing experiences. What, are the, what do we look for? We look for how to use the product, how to set up the product, how to open the product, how to turn on the product, how to get the most out of the product. 
If you apply all of that to your marketing, you'll 10x your business with nothing else added. Because what's going to happen is all the people that are already in are going to have better results. They're going to use it more. They're going to be top of mind more. They're going to refer more people and they're going to buy more. Because what people don't think about is like, and I'm, I'm not an affiliate. I buy Organifi because they're greens powder, right? And, and so when you take Organifi and you come through a supplement thing and I buy one and I want to buy one and then you try to sell me four more, I'm going to have four of these, but I don't have an existing habit to take it. And so now you have me on an auto renew and 30 days later, another one shows up. So now I have five unused canisters. So not only do I cancel my subscription, I ask for a refund. And it wasn't because the product didn't work. It's because the product never had a chance to work because I wasn't led to use it. Interesting. That's a good point. And so like one of the ways I built a billion dollar supplement company is I didn't sell subscriptions on the front. I didn't allow them. You couldn't buy a subscription if you'd never bought the product before. Why? Because I wanted 30 days to make a habit for you so you couldn't never not take the supplement. And so you buy this and I'm like, hey man, it's on its way, but I want you to understand the importance of this, the importance of habits and drinking water and hydration. Here's the truth. My supplement works, but it doesn't create bad habits. If you eat McDonald's, this isn't going to work. If you don't sleep, this isn't going to work. So let's talk about sleep. Let's talk about movement. Let's boom. And then I'm like, hey, add a scoop in your water today. Oh, if you make this smoothie, add this. Hey, have you ever thought about adding it to dinner? Hey, the best time to take it is post-workout. Oh, my favorite thing is to take it first thing in the morning. And every day for 30 days, I'm in your inbox like, hey, Chris, I got you. Hey, Chris, I'm helping you. Hey, Chris, how's it feel? Hey, how was your walk today? How did you sleep? How was your boom? And then all of a sudden, you start to see me everywhere, right? That's how social triggers work. You're like, all of a sudden, you're going to see my Instagram content more. You're going to see my Facebook. You're going to talk about me. Then you're going to engage more. And what you don't realize is that my product's basically the placebo. You're taking it, but I'm talking to you about sleep and movement and nutrition and mindset. And I'm literally ethically piggybacking off existing habits in your life. So every time you move, you think about my product. Every time you sleep, you're like, God, thank God George helped me sleep. I didn't help you sleep. I told you to go to bed. (laughs) But you and your brain associate every single one of those positive touch points with me and my product. You can never stop taking the product ever. And so I did this with a company that was selling a supplement on the front. Their average retention was three months. They'd sell a subscription. People would stick for three. It was 3.5. And here was my theory. Yes, they bought one. They got subscription. They used some of it. The second one came. It was a reminder to keep using the first one. But then the third one came and they realized they still hadn't used it. And so they canceled. And we surveyed like a thousand customers and all of them basically said the same thing. And I was like, okay, I was right. Let's remove it. So then every day I emailed you for 21 days until I offered you a subscription. And I said, hey, you should be running low at this point. And if you're not, here's your catch up. You can delay the shipment for a week. So either order it today or delay it for a week. I'm going to be in your inbox. So make a commitment. You'll keep taking it. And retention for that supplement went from three and a half months to 14 months. It almost 20x the business. Because each one of those orders had an average order value of $78 and I didn't have to acquire the customer. If I went to go get a new customer, I just spent $110 acquiring a customer to have for three and a half months to make $150. If I emailed my customers, I didn't have to pay for them anymore. I got them to stay nine to 10 months longer at an average of $78. I literally 10X'd what I could have done acquiring new customers. And so that's some tangible ways in which you put it into practice. So it's like, hey, Chris, I'm going to help you write your first email in seven days. If I make that promise in exchange for your email, and at the end of seven days, I haven't done everything in my power for you to send that email, I failed. You can't pay me because then I'm going to be like, yeah, Chris, now let me help you with my email course. You're like, I can't even write one email. Why would I buy your email course? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, absolutely. what we have to do is we have to get people to the after state, right? Jonah Berger talks about this in his book, The Catalyst. It's how to change anybody's mind, but he has this concept of the movable middle, right? All we're really talking about is momentum, right? So I use weight loss as an example all the time. And by the way, if you're listening to this, re-listen to this. Like people pay me six figures to teach them this in a day. This is huge. It's everything that you need to understand about customer journey, okay? So if I'm a trainer, right? Everybody understands weight loss, right? Right. I'm I'm a trainer. 
I'm a celebrity trainer. I help people lose weight, right? So I have two clients that come to me and they both come to me at the same time. They're both like, hey, George, I want to lose 100 pounds in a year. I'm like, I got it. So here's my two plans. Plan A, someone comes in, I want to lose 100 pounds in a year. I'm like, awesome. Here's all your workouts. Here's your diet plan. Here's your nutrition. Here's everything. I'll see you in 12 months. And then plan B is they come in. I'm like, amazing. All I need you to do is get seven hours of sleep tonight and drink 16 ounces of water. I'll see you at 7 a.m. Which one do you think after a year is going to lose 100 pounds? Yeah, the, the one you told the actual step for that day, seven hours and water. Then tell me why when we're selling products and selling services, we put 28 things in one email. We tell them to do these 800 things. We tell them this will work. You have to remember, and I don't care what your business is. If somebody's coming to you for your service, your coaching, your offer, they're not coming to you like, hey, Chris, I have an extra eight hours a day of nothing to do. Why don't you tell me how to fill it? They're like, hey, Chris, I want you to fix my business and I have five minutes a day. You don't hear that, but that's what they're saying. Like one of the secrets to success is patience. Like when my mastermind members join, most of my mastermind members stay with me four, five, six, seven years. I don't ever let them leave. They all come in with the same energy, fix. And I'm like, cool, we're not doing any work for 30 days. Like what? I'm like, nope, I don't want to do another thing. Don't change anything. Don't add anything. Don't delete anything. 30 days, we're just going to sit. And they're like, why? I'm like, because I need an accurate current state. And any decision you make right now is reactive and temporary. And they hate me. (laughs) And then every one of them, though, six months later, they're like, I 100x my business. I'm like, how? I'm like, oh, you sat still? Like, I, I don't, I don't know. Right. And so, so those are some really tangible ways that like it comes in. So it's like, Hey, Hey, Chris, I'm going to help you write your first email in seven days. Great. Email one. Welcome. The hardest parts here because you already made a commitment. Hey, but don't worry about it. I want you to prep tomorrow. I'm going to hit you in the inbox today. Just go celebrate, get a notepad that you love, go buy a pencil that you want to use. Right. Boom, boom, boom. And then the next day I, I prep you. I'm like, hey, here's what we're going to do. Starting tomorrow, we're going to write every day for five minutes a day. So go ahead and put it in your calendar because the truth is, is that it's only going to work if you prioritize it. It doesn't matter how many words you get down, how long the email is. It just matters that you schedule the time to write. So schedule in your calendar. Tomorrow morning, day one writing prompt comes at 8 a.m. and you'll have till the end of the day to get it done. Day one, hey, this is the importance of a prompt. This is how I write an outline write your outline. Day two, blank, blank. And then after my five days, I'm like, hey, look, Chris, this is how you put it all together. Now, whether you've written it or not, you already have the structure for your first email. And it can be a sentence, it can be a paragraph, but look, I want you to celebrate that you just wrote your first email. And then you're like, awesome. And then I was like, and don't worry, tomorrow I'm going to teach you how to implement this and all the next steps. And then you're like, holy moly, like you're in momentum. You feel it. You're like, I'm boom, I'm boom, I'm boom. You're actually helping your customer and you're helping your client. I'm like, all right, Chris, now that you wrote one, let's take it to the next level. Now we got to learn how to send it, right? Hey, for 49 bucks, I'll help you send it. But if I sent the same emails, I'm like, hey, Chris, I'll help you with your seven. I wrote all seven of those emails in one long one. All right, Chris, here's your PDF. This is how to write your first email. You're going to open it. Look at it for one minute. You're going to leave it and you're never going to come back to it. Every time you see my name in your inbox, you're going to skip it or you're going to unsubscribe. Every time you see me on social, you're going to have a negative anchor to me because I made a promise to you that you haven't achieved. And even though it's not my responsibility, I'm the one that let you borrow enough confidence in your ability to write an email to say yes. And so that was the expectation. How does that turn out positive for my business? It it doesn't. It doesn't. And so when you really think about it, you're like, God, it all is relationships. There's always a human being swiping the card, putting in their email, referring you to their friends, using the product, wearing your clothing, like always. And you can't create transformational results by transacting with people. How many times have you had to like, you go buy a coffee, you're like, God, like you literally, someone's like, hey, how's your morning? You're like, God, the barista was such an a-hole. And then you're like, God, I don't even know why I get coffee there. Like, think about how much of like just somebody's demeanor when they're handing you a coffee, them saying good morning or not or ignoring you. But then we're like, hey, we want you to trust us with your credit card. But yet when you opt in, you're not going to hear from me for a month unless I'm selling you something. Like we're conditioning the relationship every single day, whether we're doing it or not. So you might as well control it and own it. And remember, there's human beings on the inside of it. And so my rule, and this is how I learned this. I was like, my grandmother's 93. Like she got onto the internet with web TV. Like that'll date my grandma. That was, that was, we got her for a Christmas present, like web TV. 
And I ask myself, because she'll call me and text me, hey, I saw this. And I'm like, would my grandmother understand this or make it through the funnel? Would my grandmother buy this? Would she respond to this? And the truth is every time I ask that question, I care enough about my grandma. I'd be like, no. And we make these small tweaks and they're not strategies. They're not tactics. They're not sleazy. They're built on principles and foundations of human relationships that basically guarantee your success. And if you think about it, you're like, no, that's not true. I'm like, cool. Think about all the times you've been to a restaurant that you've frequented and it's been great and you have a good relationship and they royally screw up, royally screw up. And you will literally defend them because of your pre-existing relationship, even if you got food poisoning, even if the bill was wrong, even if the food was late, right? But then you go to another one and they screw up on the first one or two times and you're like, noose, guillotine, I'm out, negative Yelp reviews, right? Your response is predicated on your pre-existing relationship with the company. And that's what we have to remember at the core of everything. And I know that was like a long diatribe, but I get a little fired up about this. No, so. I love it. It's and it's yeah, you think about that. And I think a lot of people starting out just see it as transactional. I know I did. I mean, I, I'm guilty. I'm still guilty of it. I still yeah. have to, you know, kind of get out of that view and that status and, and realize, yeah, we're working with people. We want to help people. So why not like give them the steps and break it down so they actually get the results and then they can see the benefit. Because a lot of people, and this is what happens, this paradigm in the beginning of entrepreneurship is hold your secrets and sell the secrets. The problem is the secrets aren't the answer. It's access and accountability. Because like, even if I'm the best coach in the world, ultimately, I have to let you run your race when it goes. And all I can give you is what I gave you beforehand. But what we do, and this is the problem with this industry, is it conditions people that what you're doing is never enough. So you pay somebody else money to give you the next answer that never actually works. That's the entire premise. It's no different than the skincare industry. You know, if the entire cosmetics industry got shut down for seven days, it would adjust the GDP of the entire planet by almost 8% because of how much money is transacted every day in convincing men and women that what they look like is not good enough. But I'm pretty sure when we hold our baby, we're like, God, you're so ugly. I can't wait to put eyeliner on you. <laughs> right. <laughs> like it's, it's true and it's around yeah. us all the time. Yeah. You have to remember, I've been giving away the best of the best of the best of everything I know for 10 years. I became a New York Times bestseller because I gave away every recipe in my cookbook for free without buying the book. Do you know what happened? Nobody wants to make recipes off their inbox. So they went and bought the book. And they're like, oh, that seventh recipe, that's the one I needed. Cool. Some bought it on one, five, seven. Some way until I sent out half the book. And they're like, God, I need this in my kitchen. But you can't have a scarcity mindset. Like you have to remember, our job isn't to withhold the information. Our job is to give it and then hold people accountable to implement it. And people are afraid to lead. They're afraid to lead. I have no guarantee that you're going to win your race, Chris, but I do guarantee that whether you win or lose, we can work together, make adjustments, and get the best performance. We, in this full circle, get in our own way because we get attached to the results. So instead of making a stand for them to get them, we withhold our leadership so it's impossible and we don't have any responsibility. Well, guess what? You want to be an effing leader? Welcome to a lonely world of being tested every single day. It's no different than a parent or a relationship or anything. If you're comfortable, you're complacent and it's not going to work. And so when you think about this in business, your business will always be built one-to-one. -one. Everyone's like, no way, George. I'm like, I was doing $4 million a year with no Facebook group, no email list, and no website, all on word-of-mouth referrals. I had people calling me that didn't know me. Hey, we're ready to pay you six figures. Just do whatever you did with them like 10 minute sales calls, like my phone ringing. That wasn't because I was like, nope, do it yourself. I'm like, nope, you can borrow some of my confidence. We're in this. We'll get this to be done. And it's human to human to human to human to human. And it's like, cool. Everyone's like, I want more followers. Really? You can't even take care of the ones that you have. What do you think? 10,000 new followers is going to make you money when the thousand you have aren't paying you? You're just going to make the problem worse. Everyone's like, why'd you give away a million followers? I'm like, because I do more money with 3,000 every single time. And so I say this to my students all the time because people are like, I want to scale. I'm like, awesome. I was like, you can't adopt any more children until you feed the ones that you have. 
And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, when was the last time all your paying customers who bought that product heard from you? And they're like, yesterday. I'm like, okay. When was the last time they heard from you and it wasn't a promo? And they're like, uh, like six months. I'm like, so you mean your best customers that are responsible for more wealth in your business than ever, you're treating worse than new customers who come in? And they look at me like, oh no, right? Like, cause it's once you apply this common sense lens, right? It's like you have a frequent shopper who comes into your coffee shop or into your grocery store every single week. And the more they come in, the more you hound and market to them, the more you emotionally abuse them, the more you try to squeeze more out. Even though if you just let them keep coming and nurture them and say good morning and create a relationship, they'd stay forever and they'd bring 25 of their friends. You know, that really is a great way to think about it. It's like, it's so simple. Like we, we make it so difficult. Yes. We make it so difficult. <laughs> yes, because you have to remember what people are doing is they're trying to sell you the wrapping paper, not the present. And we reward it because we're complicit in clicking on it. Mm. We're complicit in being like, oh yeah, there's an easy way for this to happen. That I'm going to build the Roman empire by clicking a button and paying somebody to do it for me. No, get up off your ass and go do something. <laughs> Right. Like at the end of the day, I can sell you the best running program, the best running shoes. I can make your meals, but I can't put your shoes on. I can't make you step and I can't make you eat. You have to do that. Yep. And what entrepreneurs fail to realize is that the moment you choose to take an action every day, regardless of what anybody's telling you or regardless of what they say, your success is guaranteed. But instead, the entire industry convinces you that you can't do it unless they teach you how. Hows can't be executed. They have to be built because you're the common denominator. Your story, your edge, your life, socioeconomics, your paradigm, your upbringing, your children, your wife, your relationship all give you your unfair advantage. But yet the market convinces you that if you put on my wig, that you'll be a better husband. No, I can't teach you how to love your wife. I can teach you principles of communication. I can teach you tools, but you still have to take those tools and make them yours. And marketing and business is no different. No different. And here's the thing. Success is boring as shit, which is why nobody likes it. Because entrepreneurship is the new drug. And if there was a 12-step program for entrepreneurship, it would be huge. Because there's a never-ending to-do list. And there is an unlimited amount of either validation or evidence that what you're doing isn't enough to fuel the next action. And I don't care who you are and what you say, you can see it spread across the board. And here's the deepest part of what I teach. Why is that true? Because entrepreneurs all tell me, and I don't care who you are, they either want more time, more money, or more freedom, right? But the truth is, is that if I gave it to you tomorrow, you would hide from it and run from it because you don't know how to be in a relationship with yourself. We can't be in stallions. We can't read a book without our phone, without social media. We say we want more time with our family. I clear your schedule. You don't know how to be with your kids and to be present because presence is a muscle as well. And the thing that we have to realize is that most entrepreneurs neglect sharpening that pencil and so they create the result that they thought they wanted by sacrificing their life to get it and then realize it's passed them by and they're not healthy enough or happy enough to even live with their results. So they start again. Entrepreneurship is one of the worst drugs in the world unless you are aware that it's a drug. Because I know that when I leave this office, like at two o'clock, my day is over. I came to work from 11 to 2. And everything stays in this office till I come back. I'm going to be with my kids, my wife, my gym. I'm going to read. I'm going to go take a nice bath in the lake. And there's probably going to be a hundred moments where all I want to do is pick up my phone and numb out. The problem is there's no social media apps on my phone. My team has all the logins. I know this game. So I create a container that forces me to sharpen my own edge every single day. Like you say, sharpen the pencil. I say, sharpen the edge. There's no point in being a knife if you're going to be dull. You have to sharpen it every day. You have to find that edge. And if the truth is that entrepreneurship and business and success is inevitable when you understand that it's simple, it's boring, and it can be scheduled. I can schedule your success. I just can't make you adhere to the schedule.
I can do it every single time. And so you have to remember, somebody asked me this the other day, and I know I'm just ranting, but open loop after open loop. One of my really successful, all my mastermind students are successful, but this one person came into my mastermind and after 60 days, did in 60 days what they did in the previous 18 months. And she was like, what did you do? And I was like, what's funny is you can't tell me what I did. And I was like, what'd you do? And she's like, I don't know. And like, I had to remind her. And I was like, we deleted half your schedule and cut your workday in half. And she's like, uh-huh. And I was like, do you want to know what the three things that you did? She's like, what? I was like, stillness, <laughs> self-reflection. <laughs> and uh, what was it? It was stillness, self-reflection, and one other one. And I was like, so every day, the first 15 to 20 minutes per day, no phone, no nothing. She had to wake up and she had to just practice boredom. Like she just had to practice stillness. She had to plug in for herself for the day. And then she started taking action and she focused on the three big needle movers, which took 10 minutes a day. And at the end of the day, she had to reflect every single day. And I was like, that's the common denominators that you weren't numb. You weren't a robot. You weren't disconnected. You knew how you felt. You checked in with it. You knew the three things to do every single day, which only took you 10 minutes a day. And then you reflect at the end of the day. And she's like, what did I do with the rest of that time? I'm like, I don't know. And she's like, yeah, seriously, that 10 minutes a day moved the needle for me. And I was like, you have to bring awareness to this every single day. Stillness, you have to practice a relationship with yourself. You have to. You have to be aware of where you're spending your time. It can be scheduled. I know that if my podcast, because my podcast does really well, all I have to do is record three podcasts a week for the rest of my life and I will never have to work again. But if I don't put it in my calendar and I don't record the podcast, I can't get mad at results I don't have from the work I didn't do. Yep. Do I Amen. feel like recording podcasts every day? No. Do I feel <laughs> right. like getting interviewed for the 4,000th time? Because it's been almost 4,000 times. Sometimes, no. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, let's go. But other times, no. But I'm like, it's in my schedule. And commitment isn't feelings. Yep, commitment absolutely. Because we, ha we have to act through the feelings. I mean, there's gonna be, like you said, there's times that we don't want, we don't feel like doing the actions that need to be done, the three big needle movers. Mm -hmm. But we have to do them anyways. Oh, and then, sorry, stillness, self-care, and reflection. That was the, the, that was the third one. Perfect. Yeah, I made them prioritize sleep, nutrition, movement, mm. and mindset. And I was like, so you have to sweat for 20 minutes a day. You have to sleep for a minimum seven hours or I won't coach you. And you have to drink <laughs> water every day. And they're like, what? Awesome. And then here's the thing, though. Like, when you think about it, what's the first thing entrepreneurs sacrifice? Health themselves. Right? And yeah. they're like, hey, <laughs> I want to win NASCAR, except I want to drive the beater and put water in the gas tank and then get upset that I didn't win. Exactly. Yep. And mm. I'm like, listen, you have to realize, like, I will be the first person to tell you I am not your guru. I don't have your answers, but I am a mirror and I will hold you accountable to taking care of yourself because I can tell you right now, you can come to me all day and tell me your business doesn't work. I don't need to know a lick about your business and I can change your daily habits and 10x your business without you even telling me one inkling of what it is, what you're struggling with or where you're spending your time. Every single time. Stillness, self-care, and self-reflection. And you have to realize that the biggest mistake that I see perpetuated right now is that I have to hustle now and sacrifice my life to build a business. Wrong. You have to build a business that supports your life as a number one. And if you're side hustling, that means, and I don't give a shit what Gary says or anybody else, because you can't compare your before state to their after state. You cannot. They're monetizing attention, and guess who is the product? You. <laughs> yep. Because your job to succeed is create 90% of the time, consume 10, and work on yourself the rest of the time. So if you have a side hustle, I'd rather you sleep seven hours a night and only work one then sleep four and convince yourself that you actually worked four. Mm. Because yeah. at the end of the day, there is no point in building a business that takes life away from you under the guise that the legacy is, is that I want to be retired in 10 years and I'm like, and have a life expectancy of 12 months when you're done. There's no point, none. Sorry. I'm like, I got to know finding that, that the harmony basically. I love that you said harmony. That's my work because I hate balance because balance implies if you fall out, you crash. Entrepreneurship is harmony. It's no different than music. There's going to be low days and there's going to be high days. But you have to remember that if you take the window and you increase it from a day to a month, that together it made a beautiful song. Just like if I took music and I isolated the notes, you're like, 
oh, right? Like I can't even hear that. But the moment you add it in with other high notes and other low notes over an extended period of time, it sounds a lot better. And that's what entrepreneurship is. You're going to have to know when to speed up. You're going to have to know when to slow down. You're going to have to know when to sprint. You're going to have to know when to pace. Yeah, absolutely. But none of it happens from sprinting 24-7, 365, or you die. No. Yeah, it's like I always I always talk to people. I'm like, because I run marathons and, and long distance and stuff. I'm like, listen, if you like, and I've, I've done it in races. Like when you start, you're, if you start too soon, if you start too fast outside your pace and you're, cause you're trying to keep up with someone else who's, whose pace is you're, you're done. You're going to be so burnt out before you even like get halfway through. So you've got to find your pace. Um, and there are moments where you can kind of go a little faster, but there's also times where you're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, you know, slow it down just a tad or you got a good analogy. Yeah. You've got to judge that. Otherwise, yeah, you're not going to make it the whole the but whole I, length. I, I used to do triathlons, right? So yeah. part of my physical therapy was triathlons. And so my PT made me start doing sprint triathlons. Yep. The problem was is that I got an unhealthy ego because sprints were easy. <laughs> you could really sprint the whole time. Yeah. So she's like, hey, when you get out of the water, I need your heart rate to be here. I'm like, whatever. It's an 800-meter swim. I don't care. Right? And then she's like, no, you want it in this zone. And I'm like, fine. And so I win these sprints. And she's like, okay. And I wouldn't listen. So she's like, do a half. Sign me up for a half. And I came out of the water and my heart rate was already like 160. And she's like, you're not going to finish. I was like, whatever, right? Literally an hour later, I was on the side of the road and I was done. And she's like, welcome to the lesson. And I was like, she's like, I don't care who's next to you, what their pace is. Boom. And she's like, your heart rate is all that matters. Keep it under this number. And I'll never forget when I listened because every one of those people that I was trying to keep up with, I ended up passing, catching, winning doing it. And it was really running my own race. And, and really, but here's the, let's full circle this again, having a barometer with myself. And how can I have that if every moment of my day is spent in reaction to somebody else's life? Yep. When was the last time, and I'll challenge anybody that you drove in the car in silence. When was the last time you worked out in silence? Yep. When was the last time you just went and sat outside and stared at nature for 30 minutes? And most of us can't even say it. We can't sit at a restaurant without our phones open. We can't people watch. We can't do anything. And I'm like, you have to remember that all you're atrophying is your relationship with yourself. And then you're expecting to have a really close, intimate, connected relationship and make informed decisions. But if you ignore your significant other for two weeks and you try to read them, you're going to be way off. You have to be present and aware of that every day to make adjustments to make that relationship work. And you are no different. You have to be in that relationship every day. How am I feeling today? Hey, what came up for me today? Did I care for myself today regards how I felt? Did I prioritize my sleep? Hey, did I reflect what worked today? What didn't work? And what you'll notice is I'm not saying like, oh, when you're sad, you quit working or when you're happy, you work more. You're going to feel every which way. Welcome to the human experience. That's what modulation is. But what you have to remember is that your success and your work cannot be predicated on how you feel, which is why you have to have containers and schedule it in. Because like today, I'm like, I didn't feel like recording any of my podcasts, but I scheduled in three interviews. And here's the funny part. The moment I'm done, I have like a fire lit under me and I'm probably going to record like four shows. But I was like, nope, let me schedule in my needle movers for the day. And then it can create space. But here's the thing. If I get off this interview and I'm like, I'm just done for the day. I already did what I committed to because it was scheduled regardless of how I felt. And that's the biggest thing. It's like, if you're going to say you're going to walk every day, then that means if it's 1150 PM and you have not put your running shoes on and gone for a walk, I'm going to tell you to turn off your phone and go outside in the pitch black and go walk because your integrity with yourself is one of the biggest, biggest indicators of your success. That's huge. So huge. I, I it's, this has been fantastic, George. I've, I, just so many good things that you've talked about that you've dug into that. Yeah. If you guys are listening to this, go re-listen. Cause you're going to hear, I'm going to re-listen to it multiple times. Cause I know there's going to be more. I'm going to pull out again. Um, just from this chat. Uh, it's, it's been really, really good. Um, yeah, so good. So make sure you go back and listen for sure. But, uh, George, before we do kind of, you know, call it, call it quits on this recording, um, I asked one question to my guest, and it has to do with the fifth trait of pencil leadership of being created uniquely and with a purpose to leave a positive mark. And so I'm curious uh, to your answer to when everything is said and done for you here on earth, what do you hope your mark is? 
Yeah, it's, uh, I was going to give you the short answer because I'm very aware, aware of this one. Um, but for me, it's that people felt like they mattered. And deeper than that is that I broke the generational pattern of drugs, abuse, and emotional disconnection in my family tree. And I'm raising children that carry on a legacy of heart-centered healing epigenetics. That's awesome. I love that. And so for me, like the fact that my son is four and my daughter is 16 and they have two parents that have been together and they love each other and we have open communication and we support them and they watch us build nonprofits and they watch us give back to charity and they watch us help people is quite drastically different from me growing up with heroin and cocaine and abuse and neglect and homelessness. And so I feel like every day, all I'm doing is etching the legacy into my headstone deeper, but it's already there and I just have to keep living it. Mm, so good. And it's a testament to what you've done and and, and what you're going to continue to do. So I'm so thankful for you being here on Pencil Leadership today. It was an honor, um, man. Yeah. Where can people find you, connect with you and learn more about what you do? Yeah. The best place to find this slice of crazy, like, listen, I think my <laughs> brain belongs in a straitjacket, So I just share parts of it with you, but that's why I named my show, the mind of George show. Awesome. <laughs> Cause like, I'm going to give you my prescription, like my diluted version of crazy, but the best place <laughs> is my podcast. And listen, I'll tell you what most people okay. won't. If you listen to my podcast, I give you literally step-by-step step what most people charge 10, 20, 30 grand for coaching for. Mm. I don't care that I have your answers or not. I care that you use the tools. And when you want to be a part of a community and I can help you, then you hit me up. Mm. But listen to the podcast, put it into practice. It's called the Mind of George Show. It's at mindofgeorge.com. Listen, put it into practice and move on. And if you ever need support, a community, somebody to bounce ideas off, just shoot me a DM. Chris will tell you I respond to all my DMs. I, it's all I do. It's one of my needle movers every day is to build relationships. And mm. so that's what I'm here for. Uh, so please reach out if you have a question if you have anything just reach out you can dm me on facebook at george bryant or my instagram it's george bryant but all that's in the podcast so find awesome. the podcast listen find something i can do to move the needle for you and then hit us up because my team and i will support it's awesome yeah guys definitely check it out get connected with george uh again george thank you so much for being on pencil leadership thanks for having me man and if you're ready ready to get more results in your business ready to network and be in proximity with other successful entrepreneurs, then you need to check out the Pencil Leadership community. So go to pencilleadership.com backslash community to get started today. And thanks so much for tuning into this episode today. If you found value at all from this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps us get this show, these messages out in front of more people. And don't forget to share this with someone who you think could benefit from listening to as well. Now let's go out and be pencil leaders.